so I titled it this way, Keep on Loving Each Other Like Jesus. Uh, and the verse that I wanted to, or the verses that I wanted to highlight here to bring us into this study of Hebrews 13, 1 through 3, uh, was from John 13. Uh, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, uh, beginning his talk with the disciples uh, in the upper room before uh, they go out to the garden where he's going to be arrested, he says this to them. He says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Uh, And love for the body, love for fellow believers, is one of the things that that really undergirds everything that we do as believers with each other. You guys have seen our our covenant statement, or most of you know our covenant statement. It's just all the, the second point of our covenant statement is all the one another's passages of Scripture um, sort of quoted in one long, wonderful run-on sentence of, of how do we love each other? How are we going to do that? And it's all the specific ways that we interact with each other, and it's all undergirded by love. So, and, and love is the... Uh, of course, the main commandment here in this, in this section. So where are we in Hebrews? Um, I like this. This is from Ray, Raymond Brown's uh, commentary on Hebrews. Uh, I liked his like, super simplified um, uh, outline, I guess you could say. Um, I didn't use it for my study of Hebrews, but I liked it here for giving us a kind of the, the brief look at the, at the book of Hebrews. So we, he divides it into God's Son, chapters 1 through 6, Christ's work, uh, chapter 7 through midway through chapter 10, and then our response to that. And so I just kind of fit um, one of my breakdowns within this. You know, we see that God's Son, he's a complete, he brings a complete divine revelation. Uh, he's greater than the angels. He's a perfect human representative, uh, and he's greater than Moses. Uh, And then in Christ's work, we have his work as eternal priest. We have his work in the new sanctuary, the heavenly, the real sanctuary. We have his work in his blood, which seals the new covenant. We have the better promises of the new covenant. We have the better sacrifice that Christ made. We have the perfect atonement through Christ. And then finally, our response to it. Now, I, I didn't put all the warning passages in there uh, that are interspersed throughout the book of Hebrews, but they would also fall into our response, right? If we, if we accurately understand the teaching and we have a right response to it, this is what we'll see in our lives. Uh, we will pay attention to all those warnings. We will draw near to God through Christ. We will hold fast to the confession of the faith. Uh, we will exhort each other and encourage each other so that we can all attain maturity in Christ. Uh, We will look at those examples of faith, we will follow those examples of faith, and we will be examples of faith for others. And in chapter 12, we will pursue holiness. First part of Hebrews 13 is love and faithfulness. And so today we're going to talk about love. You could look at it this way, continue to love each other, verses 1 through 3, and continue on in faithfulness to God, and therefore to each other, in verses 4 through 6. So today, we're going to look at brotherly love, Philadelphia, for those of you who are familiar with the term, uh, you'd be more familiar with it because it's Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Well, that's what the word means. Uh, and that's, this is one of the 
five or six places in the New Testament where the word Philadelphia actually appears. And uh, it's just really simple. It's a combination of two words, uh, one meaning love or friend, and the other meaning brother. And so to love someone as a brother or love someone, love a, love a friend as a brother, uh, to attach a familial aspect of your love to somebody who's not actually in your family, um, that is, uh, blood family. He says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Oh, I'm going to go backward one because I intended to read the whole passage, then pray. So, let's read uh, Hebrews 13, 1 through 3. And then we're going to pray and then we're going to get into the passage. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So let's pray and let's see what, we, what the Lord has for us in this passage today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the love that you have poured out in our hearts through Jesus Christ. God, you have shown us the, the, the best understanding, the best picture of love possible through the death of Christ for sinners. And we want to follow that example, and we want to love each other as you have commanded us to. Lord, teach us about that love that we must have and must display for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Teach us to love. Thank you for your word. We know that your word will instruct us. We know that your word will convict us. uh, And we know that your spirit will empower us to obey your word. So help us to do our part and, and come intentionally. Come with the right attitude. Come with an attitude of submission. Uh, with an attitude of uh, attention uh, and intention. Lord, teach us and help us uh, to love as Christ has loved us. Let us do that for your glory, for the building of the church, uh, for the encouragement of each other, for the glory of your name, and for the building and the coming of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so keep on loving one another. Uh, The first thing I highlighted about uh, brotherly love, about love for each other as members of the body of Christ, is it has to be continual, right? Um, And I I think this has at least two dimensions to it. Uh, One, it has to be continual as we think about our our loving another brother or another sister in Christ. Uh, It's really easy to do like a kindness to somebody, It's really easy to text somebody, call somebody, pray for somebody one time. That's really easy, right? You just think about that person, you do it. I look over there, and I see Jackie, and I go, I need to pray for Jackie, and so I'm going to pray for Jackie, right? But tomorrow, when I don't see Jackie, it might be a little bit more difficult, right? And so that kind of illustrates what I'm trying to get at. Like, we need to have a continual love for each other. That needs to continue on. Now, Jackie's sweet. She's not going to get on your nerves. But there are people in this body. I understand. I I understand. I see them every morning when I look in the mirror. There are people in this body that can get on your nerves, right? We can get on on each other's nerves. Uh, The saying of familiarity breeds contempt. 
When you are around the same people and serving with the same people over and over and over again, you're going to get on each other's nerves. And so that love that you have for each other, that love that we have for each other, it has to be continual. It has to be continual. It's something we have to devote ourselves to. We need to just keep doing it. And the second aspect of that continuation of keep on loving each other, and I think, I don't know which would be more in view in the author's mind, but I would tend to say this might be more in the author's mind since he is exhorting people who some have fallen away, and in his mind, some are in danger of falling away. They're in danger of not persevering. And this is one of the hardest ways to persevere within the church, right? You know, the gospel is probably one of the more attractive aspects. The fact that Jesus, God in human flesh, died for you, that's easy, easier to stick with and to hold on to, right? The idea that somebody loves me that much, that's easier to hold on to than this person who's getting on my nerves or these people who get on my nerves or whatever the case may be. Or I'm tired of serving other people. You know, just in, in, in way of memory, whenever we're serving other people, we seem to like have little tick marks. So I've served this person here and this way and that way and the other, and we keep kind of tabs of it. And we have a lesser ability to keep tabs of how much people have done for us. So that when we examine what's going on, we remember how we serve others, and we don't necessarily remember how others are serving us. And so we might get tired. might feel like, oh, I'm always doing this. I think a really good example of this is within a marriage. Because within a marriage, it's so much, it's easy to remember the times you've let something go, but you don't record because you didn't experience the time that your husband or your wife let something go. Right? This is one small example of that but we tend to have memories that favor ourselves. So we tend to view ourselves within the church, if you are loving and serving as you ought to, as people who are always loving and serving in our, in our more selfish moments. We need to continue to love and serve, regardless of what your, uh, your inner truth is telling you or your inner memory is telling you. We need to love and serve each other continually. And I didn't put this up there, but I want you guys to see that everything about this brotherly love that we're supposed to have for each other is first shown to us in the gospel. Because God's love for us, and within that passage that I quoted from in the beginning, is that God's love for us, his special love for the church, is continual up until eternity. You know, for, for, for a believer the love that you have from God through Jesus Christ is eternal. No matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you're ungrateful, no matter how many times you have a bad attitude, no matter how many times you forget to thank God for what he's done for you, no matter how badly you do as a believer and how badly you reciprocate the love of God, his love towards you is continual. And that is the reason why our love for each other must be continual. Because if it is truly born of that heavenly love through the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it will be continual. So continue in that love. Secondly, he says, as brothers and sisters, and this is where we get into the, the word Philadelphia. And just 
let me nerd out just for a second, okay? Because I love the way this is constructed. He, there's a symmetry to this. He says, I'm just going to use the, the Greek word here. He says, Philadelphia, abide in it or let it continue. Let it remain. Same word Jesus uses when he says, if you abide in my love, if you remain in my love, if you stay in my love, if you continue in my love. So he says, Philadelphia, abide in it, continue in it. And then he uses the other word, which is a combination of the same first part, philos, which is love or friend or or a combination of both. And the second word is xenos, which you'll you'll know if you know the word xenophobia. Xenophobia is a fear of, of strangers or people from another place, people you don't know, or foreigners. So here he says, practice brotherly love, and hospitality, the word is love for strangers. Love for those you know and you're in the body with them, and love for strangers, those who come from other places. And I, I think what's in view here is believers from other places, and we'll see clues to that in the rest of the passage. But love with a brotherly love, and don't neglect the love for strangers. But that brotherly love, uh, it's only used a few more times in the New Testament. I'm not going to highlight all of them, but I'm going to highlight a few of them because I think they're really important. And I think they show us the sort of the chronology of what's going on here in Hebrews. So in Romans chapter 12, uh, when he has really just begun the application portion of his letter, Right? He's taught a lot of truth, and now he's teaching how to put that truth into practice. He talks about our love, the love of believers. And he says, love must be sincere, must be from the heart. Hate what's evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. And again, he says, he says two things in this sentence that are really, really crystal clear. Be devoted to, loyal to, continuing on in brotherly love. That's the word underneath here, brotherly love. And then he goes on and t- says how you should love one another, honoring each other above, your, above uh, yourselves. Or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes, now, about your love for one another, about your brotherly love, we don't need to write to you. Because Paul saw the example of their great love, but also, he says, because you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. You see where that love comes from? God teaches us to love. Romans chapter 5 tells us that supreme example of God's love. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us while we were yet sinners. But that love that we have for each other comes from the love of God. And it's exampled by Jesus Christ. And then in 1 Peter, he gives us the same progression, and I would, I would, I would urge you to go back and look at the, just the first chapter of 1 Peter and see the way it's organized. So he greets, uh, he greets his audience, and then he offers this supreme praise to God for all that's happened through Jesus Christ. And then he gives them a call to be holy, because God is holy, and then right after his call to holiness, he says... Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that is the gospel, following in belief and obedience to the gospel, so that you have, that's a result, sincere love for each other. And that word again is brotherly love, Philadelphia. 
So love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And it's the same progression that we saw in Hebrews. We see the wonderful qualities of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And we see the wonderful work of God's Son, Jesus Christ, in the gospel, in transforming us, in, in, in making a perfect atonement for us. And then we see a call to holiness in chapter 12 of Hebrews. And then in 13, he says, so love each other. You see how that progression is the same? The progression is the same in Romans, in Peter, uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians, and in Hebrews. And he says it again in 2 Peter, although I'm not going to take us there today. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 7, if you want to look at it for yourselves. That love that he's calling us to, the reason I think that he uses, and that Peter uses, and that Paul uses, the word brotherly love, is that it has to be an intimate love, a close love, a familial love. It has to be separate and distinct. God's love for us in the gospel is separate and distinct and special. It is distinguished from the love with which he loves the whole world. God does love every single man, woman on earth who's ever existed. But there is a special love for his people. There is an intimate fellowship that God has with his people that he does not have with the world. And there is therefore an intimate love that we need to have for each other within the body of Christ. So we have families within churches. That usually happens. But the bond that we have with each other as followers of Jesus Christ is a closer, more intimate bond than we have with our family members. We have a great desire that our kids would know Christ. I know that you guys have a great desire that your kids would know Christ and that the other kids in the church would know Christ. But when it comes down to it, you're going to pray more for your children than you will for anybody else in the body, probably. Right? But the idea here with this intimate connection we have for each other is that my relationship with Jay is closer than my relationship with blood relatives because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the blood that unites us. Not the silly little ways that my blood is a little different from Jay's blood. Does that make sense? The, the, the ways that we have connections with our family are not as close as the ways that we have connections with, uh, with other Christians. So that love that we have for each other needs to be intimate and familial and close because we are family. And family of a deeper and a more abiding, in a deeper and a more abiding way than the family uh, that we are born into. And he says, "Don't forget." Why don't we forget? Right? I, I mentioned it earlier. When something is out of sight or someone is out of sight, they're kind of out of mind. It is really easy to forget, and the only way that you can purposely not forget is by purposely reminding yourself. And he's going to actually use a a word like that uh, in verse 3. So don't forget. It's easy to forget. You don't have to do anything to forget. But in order to not forget, you have to be intentional. You have to be purposeful. 
You have to be thoughtful. And so that's the other quality that I wanted to highlight here about our love, about brotherly love. It's not just continual. It's not just intimate and close, but it's purposeful. That requires thought and intentionality followed up by action. The love that God has for us is purposeful. We talked about this when we talked about the discipline, uh, the, the heavenly discipline that God exercises towards us, uh, sort of in, the, I think, the second section of, of chapter 12. Our love for each other ought to be purposeful. And the greatest purpose is that each one of us would, be at, would attain full maturity in Christ. And so, you know, as we're, as we're continuing to love each other, as we're closely loving each other, we need to keep in mind that the purpose for our love for each other is that we would grow. So that my, my actions and my service need to be geared toward each one of the members of the body of Christ here in grace. And so do yours. Like this isn't just a responsibility of elders uh, or, or fathers or mothers This is a responsibility of every member of the body of Christ here. That we be purposeful in our love for each other. Um, I I also wanted to to see this, the the showing hospitality to strangers. Um, The idea for strangers here, I I think it's really important. One time, one of the things that we see in in Paul's letters is he's always encouraging the local body to receive somebody who's going to be coming to visit them and to receive them as brothers. And I think in a lot of these cases, it's because they don't actually know the people, right? He's, 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 he's commending someone, a believer from another place, who's going to come and serve the Lord there as part of that local body. And he says, you know, welcome them in an appropriate way under the love of Christ. Welcome them as a brother or a sister. Um, so we don't just have love for those that we're kind of close to because we've been around for a while, but we love those who are newer additions to the body of Christ. We love those who are visiting from other places. We love them as brothers and sisters, though in many cases we don't know them. Because that close familial attachment is the same between Jacob and I as is between Thomas and I. Because we belong to God in Christ Jesus. Not because we know each other. So don't forget to show that hospitality to strangers. Now, I think the passage, um, so I I sum that up this way, consistency. Consistency and maybe even indiscriminately within the body, if that makes sense. Indiscriminately within the body. Um, this passage here, I'm just going to tell you what I believe that the author of Hebrews is thinking about in this example. I believe that you could go back to Genesis 18 and 19, and I would urge you later to go back and read it. All right, we have the story of how in Genesis 18, um, Abraham is hanging out in the entrance to his tent, and he sees some strangers coming. He sees three strangers. And he rushes to get things prepared so that he can show hospitality to these strangers. And as, it, as the story unfolds, we realize that One of these strangers is God. One of these people is God, because God starts to speak, and he's speaking through this person that's there. And the other two are angels that he goes and he sends into the city of Sodom, where Lot is. And we see the hospitality 
of Abraham for these men before he even knows who it is. He just sees strangers and he says, I'm going to show hospitality to these men. And then in chapter 19, we see even the example of Lot. And we see Lot is called righteous. And we see Lot, and he sees these two strangers, and Lot's instinctual action and his first action is to show hospitality, to bring them into his house, to bring them under his protection, to show love for these strangers. Now, I would argue that it's in light of his knowledge, especially about the men of Sodom, which we see that unfold later in the story. But at a very basic level, there is the hospitality that Abraham shows the strangers, that Lot shows to the strangers, that the men of Sodom show the opposite of hospitality, but hostility, a hatred of strangers, whereas whereas Lot and Abraham show hospitality. And again, even though Lot and Abraham figure out the identity of strangers later, they did not know who they were in the beginning. And I think that's what he's highlighting here. Um, Oh, I did want to highlight one more thing. Go back to uh, Matthew chapter 25 uh, later on. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about uh, the, the judgment in the sense of dividing up between the sheep and the goats. And he lists all the things that, a, um, that, that the sheep have done unknowingly, and they've done it for Christ. And he says, why? Because you've done it for the least of my brothers, you've done it for me. And so ultimately, it's not just that we might show hospitality to, to an angel without realizing it, but that hospitality we show for other believers, no matter how great or how small, is love that we have displayed and hospitality that we have shown to Christ. Because Christ accounts his church as his own body. And that love, as we see in Genesis 18, in Genesis 19, in Matthew 25, that love is tangible, measurable, quantifiable. You can see it. It's not some googly-eyed feeling that you have to wait till somebody tells you. When somebody serves you in the name of Christ, they are saying, I love you. But they're saying it in a way that is verifiable, quantifiable. You can see it. You can feel it. You can experience it. Somebody brings you a cup of coffee. Somebody carries something for you. Somebody tells you they've been praying for you. Somebody sits down and prays with you. Somebody says, how can I pray for you? Somebody bakes you a meal while you're in the hospital. Sends you a card on a birthday or makes you some bread. Yeah, well, trying to hold up your examples, not mine. It's tangible. Then he says, continue to remember. And this word remember, uh, again, I told you earlier this, that there would be this opposite of forgetting, of this carelessly letting go of and forgetting. Here, this word remember, to remember something means you have to actively do it. You know, like, it's not like you're saying, oh, uh, I was doing this thing and I just remembered that Jay asked me to do something. No, 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 it's, it's an intentional remember. It's an active remembrance. It's a calling to mind. It's sitting down to pray and saying, let me think of the whole body and who I can pray for. And you're intentionally working through your mind, who do I pray for? Or who haven't I called in a while? 
and you're intentionally thinking through the list and mentally looking through the list, who haven't I done something for in a while, sent a card to, wrote, no, wrote a note to, asked how their day is going, asked how their life is going, asked how I can pray, and intentionally working through that. And then here, he says this in both of these ways, not just the ones who are in prison and those who are mistreated, And again, we can go right back to that list in Matthew 25. But he says, as if you were there with them. As if you were the one suffering. That's much harder to do. It's much harder to do to sit down and to put yourself in the mind of somebody who's going through something that you haven't gone through. Or even if you have gone through it. A small example um, when, we, when I was hiking with Emmett a few days ago, um, I could see he had, okay, so he had never walked in wet boots before. I've walked in wet boots several times in my life and had to go di- great distances in wet, wet shoes and wet clothes. He'd never done that before. He was experiencing that for the first time. And as I'm watching him deal with that pain, which you guys, many of you guys know this, many of you guys don't, but if you watch somebody go through pain that you've watched, walked through, sometimes our tendency can be, suck it up. It's not that big a deal. Man up, woman up, whatever the case may be, like, deal with it. But that's not what he says here. Identify with them in that. Suffer with them. When you're thinking of them and actively remembering them and praying for them and serving them, do it as if you were going through it yourself. This would be a solid place to apply the golden rule. If I'm suffering like they are, how would I want somebody to serve me? Then do it. Treat that suffering as if it's your suffering. I put it this way, empathic. Empathetic is a similar, similar word. Uh, I think it's a, pretty much the same meaning. I think empathic is just a little bit older. But the idea is purposely making sure that the way your brothers and sisters are going through trials or suffering, um, whether they're literally in prison, uh, like Simo was a while back, or whether they are just feeling trapped or feeling stuck, or whether it's stuck in a job or stuck in, in sin, actively identifying with your brothers and sisters. And again, as we look back over this list, right, all of this has been done originally for us in Christ. God's love for us is continual. God's relationship with us is intimate. Several times in, this, in Hebrews, he's talked about the fellowship, the partaking of that Christ did for us so that we could partake with him, so that we could fellowship with him, so we could be intimately related to him. It's purposeful. In big picture, he's making us to share in his holiness. He's making us pure and undefiled before him. His love, his special love for believers is consistent with all his children. So should ours be. His love is tangible, and I'm not going to go into it all, but I mean Ephesians chapter 1 really locks in a lot of the tangible uh, blessings that we have through God and Jesus Christ. But it's empathic as well. 
Christ identified with us. He shared in our humanity. Earlier on in Hebrews, we see that he understands what it's like to go through suffering, to go through uh, persecution. He understands what it's like to go through temptation. And so we also ought to endeavor to understand what it's like for our fellow believers as we love them. Summing it up this way, from 1 John chapter 4. We love each other because he, loved, he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he, God, has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Listen, the love that God has for us is multifaceted. And the love for our brothers and sisters in Christ that he calls us to is multifaceted. Look at the love of Christ in the Word. Look at Ephesians, look at Colossians, look at the whole New Testament. Picture the Gospel in your mind and say, this is how I need to love my brothers and sisters. And ask God to strength to do it. You know, God never commands us in the Word as believers to do something that He will not empower us and enable us to do. So let's make that uh, a priority for us uh, so that we can uh, help our brothers and sisters to grow in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the love that you have displayed for us on the cross of Jesus Christ, that you have shared, through, uh, shared with us through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, through the faith that you have given us, through the change that you have made in us, the new nature that you have created in us, the new heart that you have given us. And out of all that truth, help us to love each other deeply as brothers and sisters continually, intentionally, purposefully, repeatedly and over and over and over again, regardless of if we feel it's reciprocated or not. Let it be purposeful. Let us really uh, uh, keep in mind our, our brothers and sisters' maturity in Christ. God, let it be tangible and not just a feeling or an emotion. Lord, help us to love each other as you have called us to love. Thank you that you have called us to that love, that you've promised the power to love, uh, and that you are working through us. Thank you so much. Lord, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are going to sing a song.